The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stacking the Box. The Super Bowl is in the books. The season is in the books. uh, And we are back. We took last week off. Uh, I was personally exhausted after the Super Bowl, after a long football season. So we took last week off. We are back, myself and Sterling Holmes, to recap Super Bowl 58, as well as a quick look ahead uh, to the upcoming offseason. Sterling, your Chiefs have won again. How are you feeling now uh, a week and a half later? Dude, it's awesome. Yeah, I bet it is. It's awesome. I, I sometimes bust out the uh, Matt Castle jersey, you know, to really bring myself down to try and show what it was like. But man, is it fun right now? You know, and the thing is, this is where I'm at. All the haters on Twitter and the X, they hate you because they ain't you. It's the same reason why we all hated the Patriots. Right. I hated them too. At the end, I went from I love them to I'm tired of them. And that's where I think fans are at. They are tired of the Chiefs. So if you are a Chiefs fan, you should be honored. Take it in stride, baby. Don't get upset. Don't clap back on the X. Let them wallow in their pity. Just understand it's going to be about another uh, 15 more years of dominance. Yeah, I'll I'll reply to that here in a little bit because, um, of course, we are going to dive pretty deep into the Super Bowl. But before we get started here, uh, if you haven't signed up for DraftKings Sportsbooks, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, make sure you get your first bet on them. New customers uh, will get a second chance up to $1,000 when signing up with their promo code STB. That means if your first bet loses, you will get your first uh, your full wager returned as a bonus bet up to $1,000. Signing up with their code STB not only covers your first bet, but also gets you access to daily rewards and other profit boosts. If you're looking to join DraftKings, go download the app and register with our promo code STB to make sure your first bet is covered. This offer is only available to new customers of 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check that episode. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Yes, NFL is over. That doesn't mean uh, you can stop betting. Uh, March Madness coming up just a month Dude. away. Uh, hockey season is in full swing. NBA is on its all-star break, but they're back soon. Golf season is hitting its full swing. Uh, pun not intended. Uh, so yeah, sign up for DraftKings. Use code STB. Dude, 1K. You might as well throw 1K on uh, one of your golf bets. And sure. if you don't win, you get the you get it returned in bonus bet. I, I don't know, man. There you go. Maybe a little LPGA action. Madison, Dude, you're, you're, you're nails. Like it, it blows my mind how good you are at that. LPGA, the betting, I mean, we've gone way off topic, but the LPGA betting market, in my opinion, is the m- biggest market in betting that has the biggest edge possible. Uh, did I miss the salty rant by Ian? Uh, Not no. yet. Not but yet. you might be surprised by what my rant is. But uh, no. So yeah, let's 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 talk about the Super Bowl here. Before we really get into it, let's start off uh, with what we always start with, and that's uh, biggest winner and loser from the Super Bowl. I will start off uh, with something that is a little bit salty, and I'll say the biggest winner for me from the Super Bowl. Obviously, the answer is just Chiefs' biggest winner, 49ers' biggest loser. So we're going to make it a little bit more specific here and talk about players. Um, biggest winner is Travis Kelsey. And no, it's not because Travis Kel- Kelsey is dating uh, the biggest pop star in the world and Taylor Swift. Um, he is my biggest winner because his blow up for Andy Reid or uh, in Andy Reid's face 
didn't become a big deal because they won the game. If the Chiefs go on to lose that game, we're talking about that blow up in Andy Reid's face for the entire offseason. It's going to lead to debates. It's going to lead to conversations. And it's going to be a, a storyline that hangs over his head. Instead, the Chiefs win the game. He apologized on his podcast, and we've all moved on. And it has not been nearly as big of a deal as it would have been if the Chiefs lost. So, uh, low-key, the biggest win for Travis Kelsey is not even the Super Bowl. It's the fact that he doesn't really need to deal uh, with his um, anger outburst for the all, for, uh, all offseason. Something I've been chirping about Travis Kelsey all season. Remember when he – was it his teammate? He punched in the face in training camp. The guy's got some anger issues. He's a wily veteran. Yeah, that's one <laughs> way to put it. No, I think you're right because I brought this up too. I said, if the Chiefs lose that game, I don't care that Andy Reid has come out and said that he likes the fire and that he appreciates it and all that stuff. And it's it's not a big deal at all. Like, I get that. But if the Chiefs lose, doesn't matter what Andy says or what Travis says, it's going to be blown up all offseason long. Yeah. You know what I know. We all know it. So I think you're right in that aspect because if the Chiefs lose that game, I don't care what they say. That's a massive deal. Chiefs win. All is good. Yeah. Again, I think it's a very good point, actually. Uh, my biggest winner is McCole Hardman. Uh, not just the fact that he was the man who caught the game-winning touchdown, right, for Kansas City, and his, quote, I blacked out. You could tell he did because he dropped the ball. You know, normally you want to keep that football and you're going to hang it in your man on, on your mantle place. It is just, that's for you forever. He dropped the ball. Luckily, someone had the uh, astute observation of picking it up and giving it to him. I believe he still has the ball now. But McCole Hardman going from former chief, right? He was a chief. Then he does not get the contract that he wants. He was injured in the playoff run last year. And so his market just completely shrunk down. He had a sign with a small contract with the Jets. He didn't get any playing time with the Jets. That was a brutal tenure in New York. He gets traded. All of a sudden comes back to Kansas City. He's injured, doesn't play a lot, doesn't look great. Then all of a sudden, in the biggest moment, what happens? The Chiefs run corn dog and look to him. I mean, it was a display of just just sadness, and I, I felt bad for the guy. I thought he was going to get a large contract. Never happened. The, the, the market never materialized. He was injured, wasn't used, comes back to Kansas City, game winner. I, I just find that story arc and my feelings for McColl to be so high right now. So thrilled for him. Uh, yeah, and he, uh, I've made comparisons. I'm going to make comparisons in a little bit as well uh, with uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots. And this is kind of another example of uh, comparison with the Chiefs and the former Patriots, where a member of the team leaves the team, tries to sign somewhere else, doesn't have success, comes back with the Chiefs, and then just wins the Super Bowl again. It's It used to happen with the Patriots all the time, and now it's happening with the Chiefs. Uh, yeah. They let these kind of like middling players go. It doesn't work out wherever they end up, and then they end up just either you know trading for them or signing for them really cheap in the middle of the season, uh, and then they help out uh, on their Super Bowl run. Yeah. Uh, my biggest loser, I, I originally had Kyle Shanahan, but I'm actually going to change it because Kyle Shanahan's a bit obvious. Uh, you don't need to hear me talk about how Kyle Shanahan kind of blew another game, didn't make a ton of – there was a few questionable decisions he made uh, during the game. I actually – I'm going to change it to someone who didn't even play in the game. Uh, Tony Romo, I think, might have been one of the biggest losers of the Super Bowl, to be honest. Uh, I actually don't hate Tony Romo as much as a lot of other people do, but he was like the darling – color commentator when he first broke uh, onto the scene and now people are kind of sick of him. And I actually think he has gotten worse. He doesn't seem as prepared uh, for these games. Um, he says a lot of obvious things. And I think the biggest thing was he uh, completely botched the game winning touchdown. It didn't seem like he knew that was kind of the game winning touchdown that it was over. Um, they didn't really seem, it kind of seemed like he thought the game might've been over at the end of the first quarter of overtime, which isn't true. Uh, he felt very unprepared to me. Um, and this is coming from a guy that's usually actually a bit of a Tony Romo, de uh, defender. Um, so yeah, I, I think he might actually be one of the biggest losers of the entire game. I yeah. don't think we'll ever see him again in another Super Bowl. It's a bummer because when he first came on, as you mentioned, he was great. It was different. It was unique. It was fun. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the network said, hey, you got to dial it back. But it, it just feels like 
he went from entertainment to insight to now it's all just i don't know jim like like like, seriously i he he went from being charming to now it's grading i don't understand it and again i don't dislike the guy i don't think he's brutal by any means but it's interesting when you see a guy who when he first came on was outstanding and then he's regressed it's just it's it's weird to see um Again, I don't know if it's a preparedness issue or if it's a the network wanted him to dial it back. But he went from being a breath of fresh air to stale very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I still like him more than plenty of other color commentators like Jason Kerr, for some reason, can somehow still do games. He's terrible. But uh, yeah, I think it was a bad showing for Tony Romo. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right. Uh, who is your biggest loser? Uh People who say George Kittle's tied in one. Those Dude, supporters- are there people that say that outside of 49ers fans, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's obnoxious. I love it. And this, this, this sucks for me because I love George Kittle. Like, I respect sure. the hell out of George Kittle. I think he's the second best tight end in football. But for all the people that are like, you know what, though? Yeah, Travis Kelsey doesn't block. What? First off, Travis Kelsey does block. I don't know how he got this moniker because of his rookie season. He's not as good as George Kittle, but he he's not a bum out there. That was the whole reason why he blew up on Andy Reid, because he wanted to be out there blocking. The tight end missed his block, and that's why the fumble happened. Um, but you see how receiving tight ends make a larger impact on a game than blocking tight ends. George Kittle, two receptions, four yards. Travis Kelsey, nine for 93. Who had a better game? I don't give a sh. I don't give a hoot about George Kittle's blocking, who, by the way, got destroyed by Leo Chanel every single play. It was embarrassing. 
George Kittle was getting his ass kicked up and down the field. Yeah, how's that for your blocking tight end? Like, you don't draft a tight end early for his blocking, or else all of a sudden you'd have Jason Dunn, former chief, be a Hall of Famer. He's a great blocking tight end, but you can get a blocking tight end anywhere in the draft. Look around the NFL. Name a block first tight end (laughs) that's getting paid tons of money. Yeah, they don't. It's not as important. It's like drafting or developing or paying a running back for his pass protection skills. That's what you have your backup running back do. That's what you have your backup tight end do. So for all the people that say blocking is just as important as receiving, this is the perfect example of no. No, it is not. Which tight end had a bigger impact on this game? The receiving tight end or the blocking tight end who, by the way, got his ass kicked time and time again? I was just distracted by the factor in that rant that you censored yourself from saying shit. And then like two sentences later, you said George Kittle got his ass kicked. Yeah, you can say ass. I'm talking about a donkey, bro. Is that is ass worse than shit? There's no way. Or yeah, there's no way shit's worse than ass. A hundred percent it is. What? No way. In the hierarchy of swear words. Richard, get in here. There's there post something. There is zero chance. Zero chance that you think ass is a worse word than shit. I think it is. But I, I guess you're you're the radio guy, so I guess you yes, probably I, know better than I me. I can say ass on air all I want. You can't say you, shit on air? No. You can say ass? All okay. the time. That's dude, surprising. I say two scoops of ass nonstop, dude. Right, but you can't say shit. No, if I said two Shit's scoops. It's like barely worse than, it's like barely worse than crap. Can you say crap? Yes, you can. Do you? Uh, Canadians have no idea how words work. Like, I don't. I don't. <laughs> what? I mean, Americans misspell most of their words anyway. So. Oh, how do you spell color? C-O-L-O-U-R. Yeah. Why are you adding extra letters? No, we're not adding. You remove the extra letters. Yeah, because we, we, we why say more words when few words do trick? Like, right. why would I do that? Yeah, I got that reference. Um, all right, let's just move on to our general thoughts. No about the rebuttal, season. no rebuttal for for George Kittle and the block first tight ends make a bigger difference. No, I think you're right. I agree with you on the take. Thank you. And I I never said George Kittle was a better tight end than Travis Kelsey, so <clears throat> I I don't have a rebuttal. Um, and I don't know how many people are saying George Kittle is a better tight end. Uh, woozy guy, crap is the blocking tight end of curse words. Yeah, there we go. I like that. I like uh, that. USAF Chiefs fan says, do you spell tire T-Y-R-E? No. Yeah, do you go old school British no. slash French with it? No. Uh, is he unfamiliar? Yeah, I don't know George Carlin's seven words bit. <laughs> it's pretty good. I feel like I <laughs> maybe heard it at some point in time. I, I can't recall it off. The yeah, it's good. Um, Here's what I'll say about the Chiefs winning Super Bowl because I've, I'm a noted Chiefs hater. I've hated on the Chiefs uh, the entire season. There's plenty of Chiefs fans that watch this show that like to give me crap in the comments. Um, I will start off by saying the Chiefs once again, and it's one of the biggest reasons why I hate the Chiefs is because they are like the Patriots of old where every time they need a break, they get a break, and they got two of the biggest breaks in the Super Bowl by far. Number one was uh, the fumbled punt return by the 49ers. Chiefs couldn't move the ball on offense all game. Uh, they fumbled the punt, and it actually really, to be fair, neither offense looked great for the majority of the game until that muff punt, and then all of a sudden the floodgates open, uh, Chiefs start scoring, and of course the 49ers, to be fair, start scoring as well. Um, that was a weird play that went in their way, but I, what I think was is actually the most, the biggest storyline from what happened in the Super Bowl hasn't actually been talked about that much. And it's the injury that happened to Dre Greenlaw. The guy was just celebrating, just he jumped up, getting ready to go on the field and tore his Achilles. And then from that point on, the 49ers defense couldn't stop the Chiefs. They they were dominating the Chiefs offense up until that point. And I couldn't, I tried to find the tweet again, but someone tweeted afterwards. Um, I forget the name of the backup linebacker who replaced Greenlaw. But the Chiefs just picked on him. And he like all it was like 12 passes thrown his way, all 12 completed. Like the Chiefs offense just started moving the ball down the field at will after that. And this is from a guy tearing his Achilles, just jumping up and down. No, not even jumping up and down. It was one jump. Boom, Achilles popped. 49ers arguably their top defensive player, if not top one, definitely top three. 
mm-hmm. and the game completely changes after that. Those are the weird kinds of things that always used to happen to pay to the Patriots. And now it's always happening to the chiefs. It's just these weird, just love, just the lucky bounces go their way every single game. Now, with all of that being said, that's my saltiness rant, because once again, the chiefs won a very close game where the majority of lucky bounces went their way. When the game was actually over, I actually wasn't as upset as I thought I was going to be. Once the game is over, I can then recognize the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes and appreciate it. I just can't appreciate it up until that point. But when Patriots used to win Super Bowls, they used to be like upset and angry after the game because like, oh, the Patriots win, win again. And people would get mad at me because they're like, why can't you just recognize greatness? I think this time with the Chiefs, I can recognize that greatness the moment the game is over. Do I wish the 49ers won? Yes. But at the end of the day, it is pretty unbelievable what the Chiefs are doing, especially the Chiefs. And I'll give them credit. One of the most difficult paths to the Super Bowl of all time. Yeah. Beat the Dolphins at home in the wild card round. Sure, you know, that wasn't the most difficult game in the world, but the Dolphins had a very good offense. Uh, went on the road to beat the Bills, went on the road to beat the Ravens, who were a historically good team, and then beat the 49ers, which who were easily the best team in the NFC and what I think was the best team. And they, they had no easy game the entire uh, playoff run, and two of their three playoff wins in the AFC were on the road, too, against two very, very good teams, a number two seed and number one seed. So hats off to the Chiefs. At the end of the day, they deserved it. They Green law injury was unbelievable. The muff punt was unbelievable, but they still deserve to win. At the end of the day, went into overtime and they outperformed the 49ers and you can't even argue against that. So hats off to the Chiefs. I'm happy for you. I want to get back to Drake Greenlaw for just a moment here. I have a great, great comment from Joshua here. Greenlaw definitely went pre-workout straight to the dome. He was 80s Miami levels ramped up. Yeah, that dude was amped. But he was playing great football. Now, I wouldn't say he's a top three most important player on that defense. Like I think it's obviously Bosa, Fred Warner. I'd probably go Traverius Ward because the rest of the secondary is not great. And so you have to have Traverius there. Um, But he's a very integral part of that defense. Drake Greenlaw was laying the wood early, man. I mean, that guy was everywhere. He was efficient. He was uh, setting the tone for the Niners. Um, huge loss. I feel horrendous for Dre Greenlaw. That absolutely sucks. You're playing a great game in the biggest stage. And then that happens, not even in the flow of the game. I feel miserable for Dre Greenlaw, but what I do find interesting and why I do think you can, you can easily point to that injury and say that was a turning point, right? Cause the chiefs, as you mentioned, were struggling Joe Namath style to move the ball. But what it also comes down to is they didn't have the depth. They didn't have the depth. I mean, sure. no, no, no. I know. I, I know it's silly, but I, I keep going back to this Super Bowl in particular for Kansas City. What stood out to me was the depth. The Chiefs were missing their all pro first team, all pro left guard. They got it done. They found a way. The Chiefs throughout the season missed Nick Bolton. They missed Willie Gay Jr. Both linebackers. What do they do? Well, they had Leo Chanel and Drew Tranquil. Like, Depth to me is such a big part and an underrated part of Kansas City's success. You look at the Ravens game. Their fourth string safety made the interception in the end zone. Brian Cook was injured. Jamari Connor went out and Mike Edwards was out with injury. So Deion Bush steps up and makes the, makes the interception. If you want to say safety five because Justin Reed's the starter on the other side, then yeah. Like Mike Pinnell, who was sitting on his couch a couple months ago, comes in. He was dominating Trent Williams. Like, the Chiefs had depth, and I think that's the most underrated aspect of this te- uh, Chiefs team this year. It wasn't just Mahomes. It wasn't just um, uh, Kelsey. It wasn't just Chris Jones. And yeah, as you guys mentioned, Charles Aminahu missed this game. He was out because he tore um, his ACL the game prior. Like, the Chiefs had injuries too, but the reason why they were able to be so successful, and I'm not trying to minimize Drake Greenlaw's impact and what he brings to the table here, I just think the Chiefs have more depth, which again goes back to how impressive this Chiefs construction is, this roster construction is, when Mahomes had the highest cap hit of any player in the NFL. Any quarterback, the highest cap hit, and the other side, Brock Purdy's on a rookie contract. And the Chiefs still somehow had more depth than the 49ers. That, to me, is the most underrated storyline of this Chiefs team this season. I mean, yeah, you can talk about depth, but at the end of the day, the 49ers had one of their most impactful players on defense tore his Achilles when he 
jumped up to celebrate a punt or whatever. I, I get it, but the Chiefs, and again, you can make the case that that happened during the game, and the Chiefs had at least the opportunity to make a game plan catered to without Charles and Minahu, right? They had the opportunity to understand that Joe Tooney left guard all pro is not going to be there. First team all pro left guard isn't going to be there. So they at least had a week or two leading up to understand this is how we can prepare. The Niners didn't. They had to make an in-game adjustment. So I'll entertain that one. But as far as actual impact, I think Charles who might be as impactful as Dre Greenlaw, different positions. But if you go down the list of guys, I, I think you can make the case. Um, and again, they missed a first-team all-pro <laughs> offensive lineman against a really good defensive line and still found a way to get it done. Like, again, that goes to being prepared and having depth. Again, I will still give the caveat, Dre Greenlaw's injury happened in-game, so you don't have as much time to adjust. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I found the tweet I, I was referencing. Oren Burks filled in for Dre Greenlaw. Nine targets, nine catches allowed, one touchdown, 134.7 passer rating when targeted, 32.1 PFF coverage grade. That's cool. Um, but to be fair, I do actually think some of the blame falls on Steve Wilkes as well, and I agree with the 49ers letting him go. Um, the 49ers, you can say what you want about what happened in the Super Bowl, but the 49ers defense throughout the season actually wasn't as good as a lot of people think. They were really an average maybe slightly above average defense. Um, and yeah, they were playing good in the Super Bowl up until the injury, but overall and Steve Wilkes, you can't just blame the replacement. You got to be able to find a way to fill in that gap somehow with schemes. Steve Wilkes did not do that in the Super Bowl. And to be honest, their defense wasn't really all that good all season. Uh, it was their offense that carried them this year. Yeah. You look at some of the like points against and it looks fine. It looks right. actually really good. But then you look at the underlying numbers and you're sitting here going, Oh, the levy's about to break. This is not yeah. sustainable, especially with the amount of talent they had. Right. You look at the names on defense and you're like, Oh my gosh, this should be yep. not the 85 bears, but pretty damn close. Yep. And it, it, it just wasn't Steve Wilkes. Also, I think again, it's really difficult to, to blame a guy when you're looking at what he did in the Super Bowl and the points per game overall. But as a Mizzou fan, as you see over my shoulder, the football, dude, he was brutal in his one season at Mizzou. Now, the defense got better as the season went on. I get that. But, like, it was horrendous. And Steve Wilkes is not a guy who typically adjusts like this. I think if you put Steve Wilkes in the right system, he can be a very good defensive coordinator. It just – I don't think this was the best fit for him in San Fran. Um, I was still a little surprised he got canned, I think, overall, because when you get to the Super Bowl and the defense played pretty well for the most part in the Super Bowl, um, I thought he probably would have stuck around at least another year or two. But when all the San Fran people who watch game in, game out, every single snap tell you, no, he was a larger issue than I think people realize, then maybe make more sense. One play, I think, was the perfect example of this. It was what, third and six. Uh, this is for the Chiefs at first. It was third and six, had to have a play. Um, and Spagnola drew up a play where it was one down lineman, like four linebackers, and six defensive backs. Something insane. Like you've never seen this before in your life. And Trent McDuffie comes uh, unimpeded on a blitz and knocks the ball down, and the Niners have to kick a field goal. Right? Andy Reid didn't call timeout. He trusted Spags in that situation to do something unique, something crazy, something that's very untraditional. On the other side, very important play, very important play. Steve Wilkes has his defense set up in a looks almost like a cover zero blitz, right? Mm -hmm. What does Shanahan do? He calls timeout. He makes Steve Wilkes change and adjust. And the Chiefs, they pick up the first down. So who knows what Steve Wilkes would have done with that original play. But I think that play in particular, on one side, Andy Reid trusted Spagnolo with the game on the line to do what he does best. The other side, Shanahan did not trust what Steve Wilkes was going to do, called timeout, and made him adjust. I don't know who's right. Obviously, 
the Chiefs pick up the first down. Maybe the Chiefs score a touchdown whenever Steve Wilkes was, was drying up. But the point still stands. Shanahan and Wilkes were not on the same page on one of the biggest plays of the game. Yeah. As, have the 49ers hired a new defensive coordinator yet? <laughs> Did I, I miss that? I've not, I've not seen that yet. Interesting to see who, uh, who they do hire. Um, speaking of Andy Reid, does this Super Bowl win put him in the GOAT conversation for the greatest coaches of all time? He's already top five. Like, I don't think he yeah, has got to be top five now, right? I, you know, Shula, obviously. Um, Bill Belichick. I, I know people rip on Belichick for, you know, what has he done without Tom Brady? I think it's a fool's argument because yeah. me personally, I, I, I think, well, one, he has six. That's absurd. Uh, what he did as a coordinator, I did not. Head coach was very impressive as well. What I find disheartening is people can't separate his GM ability from his head coach ability. Right. He is the best head coach, in my opinion, in NFL history. He's a horrible GM. He got too much power. He didn't know how to draft. I think the game almost passed him by in regards to being a GM. Right? We saw with Bill O'Brien in Houston. I think Bill O'Brien was actually a pretty good head coach. They were perpetually winning with not great talent down there. Then he became the GM, got too big for his britches, and that's when things started to spiral out of, out of control. I think the same thing with, with New England. That roster since Brady left, even with the last year with Brady, was bad, dude. You and I went into the season going, they might have the worst roster in football. They might. You saw it. He gets the most out of his guys, just the guys aren't good. When he gave that contract to Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and both those tight ends, and Mac Jones is who you're building around, it's not going to end well. When you're drafting a guard, I believe, in the first round, it's not going to end well. So Bill Belichick, the head coach, he's the best of all time. As a GM, oh man, he's way far down there. I would even go one step further to say he was a great head coach and a great GM in terms of building a defense. He just couldn't build an offense. Um, sure. Cause even like he was, he, he would get great defensive players, both in free agency and draft guys completely off the board defensively. He couldn't do it offensively. Now, I don't know. I mean, a part of that part of me thinks it's because Tom Brady was so great that for Tom Brady years, Bill Belichick could plug anyone in there and it works. So then when Tom Brady left, he's like, yeah, we, I mean, we can just plug in anyone and my system will be good enough. But what he didn't factor in was his system used to have Tom Brady in it. Um, so I would even say he was a great head coach, great GM in terms of building a defense, but just Tom Brady was so good that he never really learned how to build a great offense because he didn't have to, because he had Tom Brady. Yeah, I think it's fair, but I do think Andy Reid now, and again, this was not to take a slight necessarily. It's more to pump up Bill Belichick as a head coach. If we're talking about just head coach, I think Bill Belichick's number one, what yeah. you think Shula's too? Yeah, I mean it's all it's always so hard to judge not only players but head coaches from an era I just didn't even live through. So I agree. I mean, we're going historical now. And then, right. And you got you got I guess Andy Reid. I mean, obviously you can go Lombardi, right? <laughs> you know, course, John Madden didn't coach after. long enough. Uh uh the the Browns, uh was it Paul Brown? Um Yep. Sounds I mean, right. Uh it's so difficult when you go back and, and try and compare because Andy Reid, though, should get more credit. I know the rings right now are starting to pile up, but it's not going to be the same as Belichick. Yeah. But the wins are and the fact that he really was a guy who changed the game offensively, I think, should give him more credit. Right. Like. He was an innovator offensively that now it seems like almost every team in the NFL has started to try and emulate. Not just that, he finally has his guy. I know it's almost impossible to make this case because you can always play the what-if game. Donovan McNabb was not this elite quarterback. He was a good quarterback. But Andy Reid got the best out of him. Alex Smith was an average guy who was an underperformer and then he had his best years in Kansas City by far, not even close. But that's no elite quarterback. He finally got his guy. There has to be a case that Andy Reid gets the best out of all of his dudes. He won He won games with Kevin Cobb. Like, he wins games with Matt Moore and Chad Henney. Like, he gets the best out of his dudes. That should mean something. Again, this is not a knock against Belichick, but we've not seen him, again, have the success outside of Tom Brady, does he get the best out of Mac Jones? Did he get the best out of 
And he probably did at a Matt Castle, right? It's just so difficult to say when he was such a poor GM offensively in my mind. Um, you know Andy Reid always gets the best out of any quarterback he has. I think if Andy Reid be- beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl with the Eagles there back in, what, 2003? Um, I think a lot of people would be saying he's the greatest coach of all time. Um, it's a little bit tough to, uh, I guess, Bill Belichick never won a Super Bowl with a different team in terms of a head coach. Um he did with the Giants as a defensive coordinator. But um, I think it's tough that all of his Super Bowl wins have come with the Chiefs. I think, I mean, he went to a Super Bowl with the Eagles. I think if he wins that game, then there's a much stronger argument that even right now he's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. Um, obviously, the talk uh, now and it's the reason why um, I actually don't completely hate the Chiefs when they win Super Bowls now um, is because Mahomes is on pace to it least match uh, Tom Brady's Super Bowl. So I guess that's the question that every sports show uh, in the world is talking about now uh, is Patrick, can Patrick Mahomes reach Brady seven Super Bowls or even surpass it? How old is he? 28, 28, 28. I, I definitely think he can, but I also caution people. This is the Mizzou fan in me trying to be not pessimistic, but, realistic here he obviously has three now so he's got past the one and now he's past the multiple two yeah but saints fans for the longest time thought drew Brees was getting a ton aaron Rodgers with the packers right everyone thought oh my gosh this guy is gonna beat he's gonna get five six right but the one that i always caution people is peyton manning Peyton Manning, I think, rings true for a lot of Chiefs fans because they always beat the Chiefs in the AFC. Like, the Colts always had the Chiefs number, especially in the playoffs. He won one with the Colts and then one with Denver based on a great defense. But I think if you would have said Peyton Manning would only win two Super Bowls, you'd be shocked. Right? He has two. He has two. It's damn hard to win a Super Bowl. Chiefs have three. They've gone back-to-back. It's the first time since 0304 that a team's gone back-to-back. So I caution fans, if the Chiefs lose in the Super Bowl or make it to the AFC Championship and lose, don't be pissed. Enjoy the ride still. It is hard. Enjoy what the Chiefs are going through right now. Don't just sit here and go, yeah, three-peat, 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 and then get upset if they don't do it. They went back-to-back. They've won three in five years. This is still historic. It's still very impressive. It is so hard to win a Super Bowl, especially now. Just the parity, for the most part, in the NFL. The fact that the AFC, in my opinion, is so deep right now. All the great players and quarterbacks, for the most part, are in the AFC. Like, you mentioned it. This was one of the hardest ever stretches to get to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs did it. But can you count on that every single year? It's tough. Um, I mean, not not every single year. I mean, the Patriots didn't win every single year either. And also, but I will say, though, the Patriots, during their reign of 20 years with Tom Brady, the AFC was riddled with great quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers. um, And they still managed to do it every single year. I think what, what, what was... Maybe the most promising thing that makes me think he, that he will get to seven Super Bowls is how he did it this year. He didn't do it with a high-powered offense. Uh, they won mostly on defense. Um, but then at the end of the day, he has that same trait that Tom Brady had, that guys like Kobe Bryant had, that guys like Michael Jordan had, who I would say even LeBron James doesn't have, to be completely honest. And it's that factor of they are winners, true winners, no matter what happens. If they, if they, if there is a time where he needs to make a play, he makes that play 100% of the time. And that's why he's able to already win three Super Bowls. When the, when the Chiefs got the ball in overtime with a touchdown, needing a touchdown to win the game, field goal to die, was there anyone out there that didn't think the Chiefs were going to score a touchdown? And that same scenario has happened how many times already in his career? 25 times in playoff games or must win games and and 25 times i guess the one time is the super bowl lost to, to the buccaneers but i mean that's greatness against greatness tom brady ended up coming out on top there but it's just whatever i don't know what that factor is but you can't measure it because statistically mahomes didn't even have a great year in terms of mahomes standards but when it got to the playoffs the all the regular season didn't matter he became patrick mahomes that we've 
come to know the past few years and every key moment drive play third down fourth down every single time he needed to make a play he did it and this is not the first year we've seen it this is now the third year that we've seen it i just laugh man when they kicked a field goal i go it's over yeah of course. like my fiance my fiance is like i don't my fiance she she's sitting there just like yeah but the field goal still like a little bit of because we watched every single game this season you saw the offense and how it played out right you're like, man, I guess. Uh, do you want the three points? And I go, that's just a halfway mark. If you get if you get that, that's not enough. At a minimum, the Chiefs are tying this game. At a minimum. But yeah. I firmly believe they were winning. Like, they're driving down. It's Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. And you saw they saved whatever your thoughts are and if they saved plays or not. When the game's on the line, sure got more creative. Sure, open the playbook up just a little bit. They saved Corn Dog. They saved the Mahomes scrambles. They saved the fourth and one play early in the game, third and one, and then on fourth and one they punted. They're like, "No, we're going to save that. We're saving that play for a more important moment," and it worked. So I think you're right. I, I think it also though does go a little bit to Andy Reid's ability as a play caller, as a head coach, to understand the scenario. Um, and he's grown there because he was really bad at that early in his career, right? Seemed like he would almost choke away games, didn't under, understand clock management. Then he all of a sudden gets older, more wise, and goes, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I've, I've been around the block 37 times now. I can, I can figure this out. There is two arguments the, the, the Brady lovers will always have against Mahomes. And number one is that and they faced off in a Super Bowl, which I think in like – the more time passes, the more crazy it's going to be that Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady played against each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like that, we'll look back at that like as if Michael Jordan and LeBron James played against each other in an NBA Finals at some point, which obviously yeah. they did in the careers and cross over. But that's how crazy it was that we got to see him Mahomes against Brady Super Bowl and Brady came <laughs> out on top. Michael Jordan with the Wizards. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> but the Wizards didn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy they played in the Super Bowl. And Brady won that game. And the other thing is Brady is, and it's it was my biggest argument against Brady as a, I was even a bigger Brady hater than I am a Chiefs hater, um, was that he always did it with one team. And then he went to the Buccaneers and immediately took them to the Super Bowl. So unless Mahomes goes to a different team, hey, come to an NFC South team just like Brady. Why don't you come to Atlanta in 10 no. years and lead us to a Super Bowl? No. But he might have to in order to settle that argument because there will be some people who will be like, yeah, I only want it because he was you know, with the Chiefs all the way through, which Brady managed to go win one with Tampa Bay. So uh, and, those will be the two arguments against Mahomes, even if he reaches seven. Now, if he gets eight Super Bowls, then those arguments, uh, you can kind of put those to rest. And I will also say, no one's going to remember the offensive line injuries 10 years from now, like Chiefs fans might. I mean, that Chiefs offensive line was so bad that the Brett Veach, the GM, had to go out and completely revamp everything. They, they said, bleep this. We This was atrocious. There, were, The entire O-line was injured. Like, it was miserable. You saw that he had zero time in that game. You know, he was throwing sidearm passes six inches off the ground, hitting dudes in the dome that couldn't catch it. Like, it's not all on Mahomes. I actually think he had a decent game. Stats won't show it, though. And in 10 to 15 years, no one will remember that. No one's going to remember that Mahomes actually played well, but the offensive line and receivers let him down. No one cares. It's all about wins and losses. So I almost do think the Brady win over Mahomes will matter more in the future when context starts to go by the wayside. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, any final thoughts on the Super Bowl before we look ahead to the offseason? Must be it nice. Awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, must be nice. <laughs> Where do you rank it in uh, in their three Super Bowl wins? And in terms of in terms of just pure enjoyment in, uh, on your part, second, uh, which it I has, think the now, first one has to be the the best, right? Yeah, first one's always going to be the best because right. you, it finally happened. Like the curse is lifted. Second one's always great because then you show it's not a fluke, right? You right. show that you show that they're here. It's legit. One was it because I don't want to say one's fluky, but a lot of teams can win one or at least. I don't want to say a lot of teams can win one. I'm sorry, Atlanta. Um, right. But but like, you know, Trent Dilfer got one. Like certain teams can get one. Sure. Two solidifies it. Right. But this one was just one where no one had any thoughts about this one. We thought, okay, back to the drawing board. Uh, they'll probably lose first round. Um, 
You wasted a year of Mahomes' prime. That's right. what folks You stole one. Yeah. The toughest road, you stole one. And that's what you have to do. If you want to stack up rings like Brady, like the Patriots dynasty, you have to steal them. Yeah. This was they stole one from the Ravens and stole it from the Niners. This was not the season the Chiefs deserved based on the regular season to win one. No. They got it done. This was a nine seed in March. This was if George Mason would have got it done and won the Maybe that's too much. Uh, yeah, I think that's a little too much. Now let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Danny, Danny, and the miracles for KU. It's still Kansas, but they were what an eight C, whatever it was. Sure, it's still the powerhouse. But yeah, they struggle all of a sudden. Okay, they got it done. How about right. that? Um, and the Super Bowl win came in overtime, which is always fun. Only the yeah. second ever Super Bowl to go to overtime, and they came out on top. Yeah. Do you know off the top that had the other Super Bowl that went to overtime? Oh, I wonder which one it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Did, did, was Kyle Shanahan a part of it? Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. He, he certainly, well, to be fair, though, um, he didn't have an impact in overtime because his offense didn't touch the ball. So, sure. Um, all right. Let's talk the offseason since we're talking with the Chiefs. Where do the Chiefs go in the offseason? I'll leave this up to you since you're the Chiefs expert. Um, I don't know anything. I'm not a contracts guy. I never have been. I never know whose contract is expiring, how many years are left. I don't know, especially with the Chiefs. I don't know what they need to rebuild. I don't know who they're losing. Give me give me a Chiefs offseason rundown. Yeah, I'll give you a quick one here. Obviously, we talk about a lot in Arrowhead Addict, so we'll give you a larger breakdown. If you guys want to follow Arrowhead Addict, we'll be doing yep. that the entire offseason. The biggest two names, Legereus Sneed and Chris yep. Jones, both are free agents. Um, I think the main school of thought is one or the other. Um, Legereus Sneed earned himself a lot of money because he's now a lockdown corner who plays on the outside. He was playing a lot of in the slot as well, kind of 50-50. Well, the versatility gets used against you in free agent contracts because slot corners don't get paid as much. So I think if you were an agent, you would say, hey, well, or if you were a team, you go, well, he played half his snaps there. So let's pay him like in between a slot and in between an outside. Well, now he was all outside and now he follows. You look at Shavarius Ward's contract, three-year, 40-plus million dollars for San Fran. He's getting more than that. I know Chivarius Ward was second team all pro this year, but Legereus, I think, is better even without the all pros. And I think the majority of the NFL and teams understand that. Um, I think if he's getting a three-year $45 million contract, you try and bring him back. If he starts getting to the four for 70-ish, I think that's when you have to let him go. The Chiefs have found a way to develop, identify, and use guys. I mean, Chivarius Ward was an undrafted guy who was traded for Parker Anger. Right. Um, Rashad Fitton was a sixth rounder who had a useful role in the Super Bowl. He goes elsewhere. He actually went to Atlanta, never did anything else from then on out. You know, they have Trent McDuffie, who was first team all pro as a slot corner. Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, they've done well there. Chris Jones, on the other hand, defensive tackle. He's probably going to get paid the most of any defensive tackle in the NFL. But what I will say, you can kind of predict what those guys do year over year a lot better than corners who um, I compare to closers in baseball. A lot more volatility in cornerbacks. Namdi Asamoah is the first name that comes to mind. Obviously, as an elite guy who fell off a cliff. Um, Chris Jones, you should be able to expect similar production year after year after year. I know he is older, which makes you a little more nervous. But on the same time, the Chiefs have not found the ability to identify or develop interior defensive line tackles you almost have to pay him because if he if he goes, you have no one else on the interior who can make an impact. You have other impact players in the secondary. You have no one else on the interior defensive line. That makes me nervous. So if it were me, I would go Chris Jones, priority one, Legereus Sneed, priority two. Doesn't mean I don't want both back. I just think that based on how the Chiefs have been able to identify talent and develop talent, cornerback's been easier. Then again, Legereus was a fourth rounder. It's not like he was this high-profile first-rounder. So that's where I go. Willie Gay Jr., Drew Tranquil, linebackers, both free agents. I think you have to try and keep Drew. Willie Gay Jr. is probably getting a contract somewhere else, a fairly lucrative one. Don't think you can compete. And wide receiver, I don't think the Chiefs need to go out and get Mike Evans. I don't think they need to go out and get T. Higgins, who has been inconsistent, quite frankly. He's always been uh, the second option behind Jamar. Now you want to be wide receiver one. Obviously, you have Travis Kelsey, but you want to take pressure off him. I don't know if I like that. I think you draft a guy. I think you bring in a second-tier wide receiver. 
That way you're not paying the, the top end price. And that way you can hopefully sign both Chris and Legereus. If I had my druthers go cheap at wide receiver, bring back Legereus and Chris, bring back Drew, uh, draft a wide receiver early on. And Rasheed Rice, I do think, takes that next step to wide receiver one, probably back in wide receiver one territory. But I think that's where the Chiefs go. Yeah, so there you go. You jumped ahead on me there a little bit because, yeah, I was going to bring up the NFL draft next uh, because that is the next big thing on the calendar. Obviously, I think comp the what about Atlanta. Where does Atlanta go, pal? <laughs> well, Atlanta's offseason has started. Uh, it's been it's been going for a month and a half now. Um, I mean, the obvious thing with Atlanta it is obvious. We need a quarterback. That's the only thing that should be on anyone's mind who cares about the Atlanta Falcons is quarterback because I we have Desmond everything Ritter's else. Was the guy, Ian. Desmond Ritter's not the guy. I was wrong. Hand up. I was wrong about Desmond Ritter. He stinks. Taylor Heineke stinks. We need a quarterback. Um, I like the head coach hiring in uh, Raheem Morris. Uh, I don't think he was good as a head coach previously in the NFL, but from what I can gather, based on what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, what I'm watching, um, is that he's now kind of changing up his strategy as a head coach, which I think a lot of head coaches are doing in the NFL now, which is they're not taking in, they're not playing a huge role in actual strategy and game plan and things like that. They're acting like the CEO of the team in some sense. Yeah. What a head, they're kind of like the Dan Campbell route. Hire coordinators that you trust to run the offense and the defense, um, and then become a leader of men. And it seems to be Raheem Morris is one of the most liked guys in the NFL, it seems like. Seems like everyone loves Raheem Morris. So if he can do that, um, and after they hired him, I was like, okay, I'm good with this as long as they hire an offensive coordinator I like. And they hired the best offensive coordinator that I could have in Zach Robinson, the pass game coordinator for the Rams. And if you look at the Rams pass game the past few years, has been pretty damn good. Uh, so I have a lot of faith in Zach Robinson. I think uh, Raheem Morris is going to be huge for them. Um, we'll see what happens with their defense. Their defense took a huge step forward last year. Um, they have offensive weapons. They have Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, Drake London. If they can find a quarterback, the Falcons will make the playoffs next year. They'll win the NFC South. And I think they're favored to win the NFC South right now. Now, the question is, who, who do they get at quarterback? I want them to get Kirk Cousins. I made my case to Kirk Cousins. Um, he brought up my interview on, on the Pat McAfee show during the Super Bowl week. So I, I've clearly dropped a seed in his brain. He, he thinks about me all the time. When he signs with the Falcons, it will be because of me. Um, I will be very happy if we get Kirk Cousins. If we get Justin Fields, I will be fading the Falcons every single game next year. So it comes down to a quarter. It's 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 make or break is who we get a quarterback. I yeah. hope we get Kirk Cousins, and then I hope somehow we can get like a guy like Michael Penix Jr. or someone maybe a little bit, if we can either trade up late in the first round or get him uh, with our second uh, round pick. Now, Michael Penix Jr. isn't the best quarterback in terms of keeping him on the bench to develop him because he's kind of old, I'm pretty sure. I think he's like already like 24, so... Um, but I think a, a kind of a project quarterback to sit behind a veteran like Kirk Cousins is the best way to go. If you look at examples of quarterbacks who are drafted somewhat high to sit behind a quarterback for the first couple of years, it's done nothing but worked out. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. The, actually, the newest example of that in Green Bay, Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers. Now Jordan Love's like a top MVP candidate heading into next year, led the Packers to the playoffs this year. Um Patrick Mahomes didn't start right away. People forget about that. Like there are so many examples of rookie quarterbacks sitting behind a guy for a year or two and then looking great when they finally play. That's what I hope the Falcons do. Yeah, I think it's a, you can make the case both ways, right? Like CJ Stroud was phenomenal this year. Sure. Bryce Young was not. I think some comes down to the player itself. It comes down to the system, comes down to the scheme. I, I But I do think Traditionally, I'm, I'm on your side. I think waiting a year, sitting a year is the best for development for a quarterback. I always point out that players always will say in college, defensively, they're not trying to trick you. They're just trying to beat you. In the NFL, right. not only are they trying to beat you, they're trying to trick you. You are right. going to see things you have never seen. Like Peyton Manning, luckily he, he got to stick around, but his first year easily could have been the end of Peyton Manning as we know it. The amount of interceptions yeah. he threw, how bad he was. I mean, it, the record. Could, have, it could have been a case of, oh, wow, this he's not ready. He's not the guy. But they gave him another opportunity, and he obviously delivered. So I, I'm always a fan, for the most part, of sitting a guy a year, let him develop, and then go from there. Yeah, um, yeah Michael Penix will turn 24 May 8th of this year. So yeah. he'll be 24 after um, the season starts, obviously. Um, 
if we take a rookie quarterback to start week one, I hope it's Michael Penix. I don't know if I'd want Michael Penix if he's going to sit because if he sits for two years, he's like 26. Sure, but still. Yeah. Not the, end of, not the end of the world there, man. I mean, it's is what it is. Sometimes yeah. you have to – Who can, 26 at quarterback is a lot different than 26 at running back or, or cornerback, right? 26 at, at quarterback, you're uh, – you're not even in your prime yet. I think 27, 28, 29, your late 20s for quarterbacks when you really start to um, get into you understanding what everything the defense is trying to throw at you. That, that's my sure. personal opinion. Uh, so NFL draft, obviously, the next huge thing uh, to go down in the NFL. I think the combine is, is it next weekend? Combine's coming up. And then the NFL draft, early April, NFL draft. Yeah. Um, I'm worried about the, what the Falcons are going to do at number eight because it's kind of too late to get one of the top-tier quarterback prospects. I'm looking at a mock draft right now. Who is it? Daniel Daniel Jeremiah has the Falcons taking J.J. McCarthy number eight. That would be a disaster. I would hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we get a pass rusher at number eight because the Falcons are cursed to never get a good pass rusher. Um, so that would be nice. What do you think the Chiefs want to do? You, you already answered it earlier. You think they're going to go wide receiver, 32 overall. Well, I think it depends on the board. Um, right. I mean, it depends who they think they can sign. Like, I still think whether you sign Chris Jones or not, you have to draft an interior pass rusher. There's yep. that guy from Texas. I'm drawing a blank on his name. The guy from Texas, if he's there at 32, I think with, with no second thought, you draft him. Like, you get him at 32. Um, I think wide receiver, you're in that. Byron custom- Murphy. You Byron Murray, yeah. I think you're in that that cusp of at wide receiver of Troy Franklin. Like there, there's there's a few guys. That's who this mock draft has going to the Chiefs at 32. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, I think you go wide receiver or defensive tackle most likely at 32. Um, if you trade back a little bit, if a team wants to draft, let's say Michael Penix Jr. still there at 32. I don't think he will be, but what if he is? Uh, we thought this last year with Will Levis didn't happen. You know, I think a team wants that fifth year option. You think 32 is valuable. If there's a quarterback still on the board, um, maybe not quite as valuable as people think it is because it didn't happen last year. But if, mm-hmm. you can tra- if you can trade back to like 36, 37, I think that's where the wide receiver spot you almost want to be. And I think Troy Franklin might still be there at 36, 37. Um, stuff. All right, we got five minutes left here. What I want to do is just list off the list of uh, top free agents here, um, and let's just rapid fire guess where they're going to end up. Okay. Free agency doesn't start for what two, two, three weeks is when the free agency period begins. Uh, so some of these teams may end up even re-signing with their teams. Uh, I don't have this one on the list, but because you brought it up, Legarius Sneed, Falcons. Um. Man, I want to say Chiefs, but I feel like that's too much of a homer pick. Uh, I will. Who has a lot? Of, I'm going to say like the Commanders. Oh, okay. the Commanders. The Commanders have a lot. I think they have the most cap space of any of any spot. They've uh, gone to the well with the Chiefs before, and uh, I feel like they would just pay Legarius Sneed th- just out the nose. Like they'd give him the four for seventy million type contract. Uh, yeah, I say Falcons because there actually were rumors that the Falcons are looking at signing Legarius Need. So um, anytime the Falcons are linked with someone to a rumor, I'm just going to assume they're going to end up in Atlanta. So Legarius Need, I'll say the Falcons. Okay. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Falcons. <laughs> I actually would say Falcons because I, nice. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't. It makes Falcons, too much sense. It makes way too much sense. They're, they are a quarterback away. I think the Falcons make the most sense. He gets to play in a dome. His wife's family is from Atlanta. He got married in Atlanta. Um I think, I think if we it, hired Bill Belichick, I think it was basically a lock, but still, I think, and it doesn't look like the Vikings are going to re-sign him. So yeah. I think Atlanta just makes the most sense. By society, aside, I actually think it makes the most sense. I think I think it's Falcons one, Vikings two, and then maybe you're looking at, I don't even think New England. Like I was trying to think of a, of a, of a team that needs a um, QB, but no. Um, there are odds released at DraftKings. Sign up for an account using promo code STB. Uh, but it is, these odds are only posted in some states. I know I can't bet on it in New York, but I'm trying to find what they were. The Falcons were favored, though. Oh, here they are. Um, Steelers are on the list, Patriots and the Raiders. So, I mean, I think Falcons make the most sense. Yeah. Uh, Derek Henry. Tough one. 
This is going to be another offseason where running backs not getting money is going to be a storyline. And it's a storyline I'm kind of sick of because there's no right answer for it. It just is what it is. It sucks, but it is what it is. But there are a few. Uh, Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs are both free agents, and they're both going to expect and want more money, and they're not going to get it. Yeah. Uh, Derek Henry is interesting because he's older now, obviously. And I know he's a pro bowler. He was not a pro bowler. I think Taji Spears actually outplayed him this year. Agree, 100%. Uh, you know, I think the Titans will try and keep him because I think they like the one-two punch of Taji Spears and him. Like, I think it's a nice one-two. But if for some reason he wants to go somewhere else or if the Titans are saying, you know what, Spears is now our RB1, um, I don't know what his market's going to look like. I I don't know what team, like, this is going to sound silly, but like he would be decent in Kansas City because he would be the power back. Him and Isaiah Pacheco could be kind of fun together. But their styles are also pretty similar, and the Chiefs aren't going to pay big money for an RB. Um, does he go to Houston, right? Houston kind of needs that big body guy. They tried it with the draft pick. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh, Pierce, Damian Pierce. He was fine, but he didn't have a good year. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to think of teams who like that big bodied style. <laughs> um, New England, if they move on, uh, but they've they're not going to spend big money on a running back when they have so many other positions of need. Um, I, I feel bad for Henry, but I, I don't, I don't see his market being robust. I'm going to say for Derek Henry, I'm going to say the Ravens who are apparently oh. looking for a veteran running back. Apparently. Well, I, I, I one up you and say Josh Jacobs to the, to the Ravens. Okay. And I'll say Josh Jacobs to the Texans. I like that too. I think Josh Jacobs market will be decent because Josh Jacobs can also catch the ball. Um, he's probably has more miles left on him than Derek. Henry. He's, he's younger. He's just, he's just right. younger. Right. Uh, and that's what it comes down to. And I, I think Josh Jacobs, um, you put him with a good offensive line. Oh, that guy's going to feast. Like right. he not, not McCaffrey style, but, but, oh man, I'm a big Josh Jacobs I'm, I'm not a huge running back guy, obviously, but I think Josh Jacobs is a guy that if you get behind a good offensive line, you have some weapons that can take some pressure off him. Josh Jacobs is, he's that dude. So you say Josh Jacobs, Ravens, Derrick Henry, Texans? I'll do that. I'll go Although I, I could see it being the other way sure. as well. I, I, I think those two teams, though, would look for these two particular players. Yeah. Calvin Ridley. I think he stays in Jacksonville. I see some Falcons fans want him to come back to Atlanta. I, people forget because of the suspension due to gambling, but before he got suspended, he just left the team. He just stopped. Yeah, he just playing. left. He, he, he was I, just gone. I definitely don't want him back. Yeah. For sure. I don't and think he wasn't he even that good be. last year. He, he Especially when he had to step up when Christian Kirk got hurt, he was not good. Yeah. That's why I think he stays because him, Christian Kirk, and Zay Jones, if they can all stay together with Evan Ingram, you have a nice core there. I, I don't see the Jacksonville Jags wanting to get rid of them. They need all the help they can get. And, um, he makes too much sense, sense to stay. I will say Calvin Ridley to the Saints. He goes to our rival. Goes to the Saints. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Marquise Brown. Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I don't know, man. I hope the Chiefs don't give him because he's going to get paid like 18 mil a year easy, 20 mil a year. And I don't want 20 mil a year for that type of player. Nothing against him personally. It's just that style. Uh, it's a very Chiefs move because yep. he does fit the Chiefs style of guys they typically go after. But that hasn't really worked at wide receiver. I mean, yeah, they've they've obviously won. But they always try and find the next Tyree Kill almost. It seems like, stop doing it. Like I get McCole Harmon wasn't Tyree. It was Tyree Kill replacement because of the uh, ongoing whatever was happening there. You know, they, they dropped these smaller guys. Like Sky Moore is a smaller guy. Um Rasheed Rice is at least a six foot. Like he's at least got a little bigger body on him. Um, no. Um, Giants. I'll say Falcons. We need a wide receiver too. Um, Michael Pittman. I think he stays. stays. I, I, I think he gets just a, I talked to Michael Pittman and it's, I, I tried <laughs> not tampering. I, I said a little like, Hey, what about Kansas City, man? <laughs> well, the same thing I just did, same thing I did with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah he was pretty much like, no, nah, he he loves Indy. So uh Yeah, I think he stays. Mike Evans, also another guy I think stays with Tampa. Oh yeah, he, he gets tagged. Yeah, he'll stay. He, he gets tagged, and if he gets tagged and traded, maybe, but um he's getting tagged. 
And then finally, T. Higgins. He gets tagged. I think T. Hey, Higgins. Whoa. I think Jacksonville becomes Clemson. And then you got T. Higgins. Oh. You got three Clemson guys. See, the issue I have, though, he's getting tagged. Right. And okay. if, that well. pisses, if that pisses him off and he's like, I'm sitting out, I'm a, then maybe. I, I, I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, I wonder if teams view him like I do, where he's always been known as wide receiver one, the talent-wise. But he's been wide receiver two. It's clear-cut Jamar and then him. Right. He's a really good wide receiver who's also been inconsistent and is too bad. I like T a lot, but you went into your contract year and you had your worst year. Yeah. It's going to be a little nerve wracking for folks, I think. All right, there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's the episode. We're, we're at the end of our time here. Um, it's the off season. It's the start of the long off season, um, but we will still be going live. We, weekly pretty much outside of maybe a couple of weeks uh the next thing i guess is the combine and then the draft i do actually kind of like the draft the draft is fun um and then we hit the dog days of summer and then before you know football will be back yee um let's finish off with just say the teams just so we have it on record super bowl prediction next year uh, what yeah. I'm throwing it. Just say two, two, say two teams. I will say the Chiefs because I'm not betting against Mahomes. And okay. quite frankly, you shouldn't either. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, do I get bold with it? Do I get bold with it? You give me your AFC team first. Dolphins. Horrible. Hate it. Don't even think they even have a chance. I think they have like the sixth best odds, maybe. Maybe. That's I guess they have a chance if I say that. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm doing hey, it. If you want. I'm doing I'm doing it. If Matt Stafford stays, I'm going Rams. Oh, so you're saying Chiefs again from the AFC and then Rams NFC? Yeah, I think I I think the Rams are, are are an upset pick for me. Um Matt Stafford was really good and no one gave him credit. If Pukunaku and Cooper Cup can stay healthy. I think people are going to understand how good that offense could be. Um, I think I'm going Rams, man. I'm going to say Dolphins beat the Cowboys. That is the worst Super Bowl prediction. <laughs> that's that's up there with your Colts and Matt Ryan. I, I forgot to tell Matt Ryan when I when I talked to him. I forgot to tell him that there was one guy that put MVP odds on him when he was with the uh, Colts. You got to talk to Matt Ryan. Nice. I did. I did not bring him 28-3. Don't worry. I did, I did not do that Thank at you. all. I do appreciate I, uh, that. Nice guy. Um, I did bring yeah. up Shanahan in a very sly way. I was like, you know the Niners offensive game playing very well. <laughs> yeah, we're well over our time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Dolphins-Cowboys. I'm going, I mean, I could say something boring. I could just say Chiefs-49ers, but I'll go bold. I'll say Dolphins-Cowboys. That's why I said Rams. Come on. I think it's kind of yeah. bold. Sure. Yeah, I'll accept the ramps. Um, all right. Thank you all so much for watching. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, rate and review the audio version of it. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.